Hey everybody, this is Jimmy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsor, Humor for Humanity, a social enterprise that I founded a few years ago that raises spirits, funds, and awareness for nonprofits, charities, and social causes. Our mission is your mission, Humor for Humanity. You can find out more information at jimmytingle.com. Thank you so much and enjoy today's show. Hello, everybody. This is Jimmy. Welcome to another episode of our show. I am so excited for our guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, Al Franken is the only U.S. senator who was also one of the original writers for Saturday Night Live. During his 15 seasons with SNL, Franken won five Emmys for writing and producing. He is also the author of four number one New York Times bestsellers, including Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot and Other Observations. Liars and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them, A Fair and Balanced Look at the Right. I love that one. And Al Franken, (laughs) Giant of the Senate. And I was encouraged to read that before I ran for office, which I did, and it was very, very helpful. Al Franken represented the fine state of Minnesota and the U.S. Senate from 2009 to 2018. Al Franken podcast. And you got to check this out, folks. It's fabulous. He's got so many guests from entertainment, politics, all sorts of walks of life. Always good, always insightful, really on target. His podcast is one of the nation's top 10 politics and public affairs podcasts with guests like Malcolm Nance, Sarah Silverman, Paul Grugman, uh, Chris Rock, David Letterman, Jim Gaffigan, and many, many more. Well, you can get it at alfranken.com. But most importantly, folks, This Saturday night at the Wilbur Theater in downtown Boston, May 14th, Al will be in town. And check out the title of this show, the only former U.S. senator currently on tour tour. Is that it, Al? That is it. And that's as far as we know, anyway. (laughs) Please welcome the one and only Mr. Al Franken. Hey, Al, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great here. Thanks so much for doing the show today. And thanks so much for all your contributions in comedy and politics and uh, values and everything you've been doing over your your whole career. So we really appreciate seeing you today. We we first met uh, in 1992 on Comedy Central. You were the host of the show. But what we did was we covered uh, all four nights of each convention. Right. And did it for four hours because, you know, the network stopped doing that. And uh, so we it was very loose. <laughs> it was really loose. It was called Indecision 92, I believe yeah. was the name of it. Yeah, it was the first Indecision. Again, it was on Comedy Central. So it was a forerunner of, in a way, of, of The Daily Show and of all those, you know, of, of that uh, family of, of shows. It was before Bill did politically incorrect and so it's yeah but proud of of that it was a lot of fun that's the first time we met and then we've met several times over the years at the new hampshire primary and you were actually in my film when we were at the democratic convention here in boston in 2004 my film jimmy tingle's american dream i interviewed you and robert reich it was the day after barack obama's speech i'll never forget i don't remember that yeah, we'll, I'll, 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 I'll send you the film. <laughs> okay. No, that was uh, that was stunning, and yeah, that everybody went oh oh yeah. mackerel. Yes, yeah. and I remember 
because I didn't see it because I was doing the shows at the theater. We were doing a, a series of shows called the Unconventional Comedy Convention at my theater in Davis Square, Somerville. So every night we were performing, and I had all I had Mort Saul in there, and Mark Marin, and Barry Crimmins, and just a touch Janine Garofalo, wow. some of your friends from Wow, uh, Wow, 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 yeah, yeah. Air, Air America, Air America. Sure. Uh, Jim Morris was there. Um, it was it was a it was a lot of fun. But anyway, every night during that convention we were performing, so we heard rumblings about this guy, you know, who made this killer speech there. And on camera, I'm saying, Al, what was the name of the person? And you were saying. Barack Obama. <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> I know a lot of Americans are going like, that can't possibly be the name right, of a politician right, right. in America. And, and one other thing stands out that one of the times we met was that uh, we did a fundraiser at Stand Up New York. And it was the cast of Saturday Night Live at the time. Nora Dunn was there, A. Whitney Brown, and yourself. And we did this fundraiser, and I forget what it was for. But anyway... After it, you were Unfortunately, so Unfortunately, it was for Pol Pot. And we just, <laughs> every once in a while, you screw up. Yeah. If people need money, you know, for whatever walk <laughs> well, of life, people need got, a helping hand. I learned that that <laughs> night to start vetting. <laughs> well, after the show, you were so gracious. I said, out, you know, uh, that was a blast doing it. And I go, you know, I'd love to say, I've never been over to Saturday Night Live. I'd love to come. You go, you want to come this you want to come to the show? I said, I'd love to come to the show. And so I was so excited. I'm going, okay. I go, all right, Al, one more last thing. When is it? Jim, <laughs> it's Saturday Night Live. It's this Saturday night. <laughs> so you always had that great sense of humor. So thanks again for being here. And I want to ask you something yeah. about coming to Boston, having spent some time at Harvard, having spent some time in Cambridge in the Boston area, you're coming to the Wilbur Theater this Saturday night. Yeah. I'm going to be there. My wife's going to be there and about a thousand right. other people are. So we're excited to see you on Saturday night. But just tell me, coming back to Boston, what was your experience here when you were at Harvard? Well, um, I met my wife uh, the first week of school. <laughs> uh so um and and that was i went to a mixer in copley square i saw her across the room and she was gathering up some girls to leave and so i liked the way she was taking charge and i asked her to dance <laughs> and i uh, got her a ginger ale and i escorted her back to her dorm at simmons and uh we told that to my daughter when she was six years old she wrote a thing in first grade which was they asked how your parents met, and she said, my dad asked my mom to dance, bought her a drink, and took her home. <laughs> that was, but I had great roommates, and I had a, a great number of um, classmates who are still really good friends, and I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I just probably could have worked harder and kind of regret that, And I, but early on, I had gone there really as, study physics and chemistry and stuff like that. In 1957, my parents sat me and my brother down this is after Sputnik, said, you boys are going to study math and science so we can beat the Soviets. And there was a lot of pressure to put on a six-year-old. Wow. <laughs> but um, we did that, and we were really both very good at it. My brother went to MIT. He was the first in our fa family to go to college, and he became a photographer. <laughs> and I, I went to... Uh, Harvard and became a comedian and but we beat the Soviets so uh 
So I was, I focused a lot on doing comedy. And in my last uh, year, Tom Davis, who remembered Franklin Davis. Yep. Tom came, lived with me in my dorm. Okay. And on weekends, we'd go down to the improv. We'd drive down there. Leno did that too. And well, there were no clubs in Boston at that time. No, right. there weren't really. Uh, and so, yeah, we would do that. But I, you know, I really enjoyed it. But I didn't, I didn't get as much out of it as I probably could have in a lot of different ways, including exploring Boston because mm-hmm. I just was spent a lot of time uh, in in at, at school. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was very centric to to the college experience. Uh, but I had I go to Boston. I also my wife's family is from Portland, Maine. So I have a big New England kind of bent. And uh, but I love Boston. I love the Wilbur. Yeah. What I love about the Wilbur, and you've played the Wilbur, haven't yep. you? Yep. What I love about the Wilbur is the balconies are so steep. Mm. And so the audience is very close. Yep. Everybody. And I love, I love that place. It's a beautiful, beautiful theater, and comedians love that theater. Yeah, it's a great theater. We're, we're excited about Saturday night. Folks, oh, good. Well, alfranken.com. You can get tickets to the show this Saturday night, uh, May 14th at the Wilbur Theater. And you can also get all the information about his podcast, which is phenomenal, at alfranken.com. So check that out. So, Al. Okay, stop s- plugging. Stop plugging. No, 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 no. I love plugging. I love plugging because I want, I want that place to be jammed and I want people to see you. You are the Mark Twain of our generation, man. No, I'm not kidding. I don't know of any other people who have gone from, you know, entertainment and written several books, New York Times bestsellers. They're all satire. They're all political. They make great points, but with humor. And then go on to actually turn your, turn your passion into legislation and actually run for office and accomplish what you were able to accomplish uh, in the U.S. Senate. It's really a phenomenal story. So I just want people to see you here in, in Boston. This is stand-up, but there is a political dimension to it, of course, of as, course, as you always have. But I do talk a lot about my time in the Senate. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole Ted Cruz section oh, of good. the show. <laughs> uh, tell me about it. Well, I, I explain why I say I probably like Ted Cruz more than most of my colleagues like Ted Cruz, but I hate Ted Cruz. <laughs> and I just tell some stories that just explain, like, who the hell. It's amazing who this guy is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's an amazing guy. There, there are different amazing figures in the Senate. Um, we saw that during the Katanji Jackson hearing of, Holly and Cotton and and uh, I didn't think Lindsay was. Oh, that's another thing I talk about, which is people ask me a lot who the funniest senator was, and I, I always it was Lindsay, and yep. everyone always goes no. <laughs> <laughs> but Lindsay, so it's funny. I mean, Lindsay's all his all his humor was just about how cynical he was. So I'll tell you a story. So uh, we're going to Christmas break, and so, you know we're leaving the chamber after some votes or something, and that's it. As we're going on vacation, and he says, are you, "Are you taking your family anywhere for sun?" I said, "Yeah, and we're going to Vieques in Puerto Rico." And without a hesit- any hesitation, goes like, "Do two fundraisers: one for the people who are for statehood, one for the people who are against statehood." They never talk to each other. <laughs> And 
that was basically every one of his jokes was, I'm the most cynical politician there is. <laughs> wow. That's pretty funny. And I, there's a story I think that you told uh, listening to the senator from Alabama, the first one to endorse Trump. What was his name? Uh, Sessions, yeah. Jeff Sessions. But you came <laughs> in, he said a meteoric rise. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was like, I sort of somewhat famously kind of uh, asked a couple questions of Sessions in his confirmation hearings that undermined him because <laughs> he lied and about whether he had contacts with Russians. So it appeared from that, that, that he and I were bitter enemies, but we actually kind of were friends, you know, to the extent I didn't like anything he stood for. But so I, I was on judiciary and remember I, I was not, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I played one in a sketch. Right. And, um, <laughs> So I'm on judiciary and I would go to every damn, you know, confirmation hearing on district court judges. I just go because I wanted to, I want to learn. And so Sessions was the ranking Dem uh, Republican. So he'd always go. So he'd always see me. there. And then one day Leahy, who was the chairman, had to go to a budget committee hearing. And so he made me chairman. <laughs> Because <laughs> so, no other Democrat was going to come to this because it was like it was some, in your first weeks of office. Oh, yeah, I was there. I'd been first there like months. three weeks or yeah. you know, something like that. And so I, I just sit there and I'm in the chairman's chair and he said, well, a meteoric rise. <laughs> and I said, and well-deserved. <laughs> well, let me ask you, when you were in the Senate, did you get to uh, what was your relationship with Joe Biden at that time? Uh, I know he was vice president yeah. at the time, but did you have a lot of interaction with him? What I did was, what I had was very good. He he paid attention. He had been chair of Judiciary Committee. So he paid quite a bit of attention to high profile hearings in Judiciary. And I was really good, if I do say so myself, in Judiciary. And part of it was, and I think this is, has to do with, a lot of people ask me about, what, what is it about Zelensky? Why is he so good? And I said, well, he was, he was a comedian, and, which means he was a performer, mm -hmm. which means he knows how to perform. Like Reagan was an effective communicator. Exactly. And so there is something to having been a performer when you're asking questions. And so Joe is very complimentary of my work in judiciary and said so publicly a lot. And we, we went to a lot of different events. Now, Joe had this thing where he, he really did, uh, would talk too long, very often. <laughs> 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 and uh, I remember one event, which was um, uh, honoring Mondale. And, of course, Biden was vice president at this time. And Carter, uh, there was, uh, it was this dinner. And I remember the host of the dinner saying, a successful dinner in Washington is when, the, is when you get out at 9, 9 p.m. That's a successful dinner. Uh, what happened was there was a dialogue that was moderated uh, between uh, Carter and, and Mondale that went, on, went along, but it was great. Okay, and then, <laughs> and then there were a lot of speakers, uh, you know, senator from Minnesota, so I spoke. But I spoke very late. But Biden spoke and went on way too long. They're like 45 minutes. Wow. So we didn't get out of there till like, I started my speech like, well, look, uh, the reason 
you know, the host said that a successful dinner in Washington is one where you get out at nine. It's almost 11. Uh, so that's not the fact that we're getting out past nine isn't Biden's fault. The fact that we're getting out past 11 is Biden's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Did he like it? <laughs> well, he was gone by then. I mean, oh, okay. he, you know, he gets he would give the long, long speech and then leave. And that gives everybody else permission to laugh, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And and uh, I saw him at Mondale's, actually, at Mondale's Memorial um, last week, 10 days ago. And uh, he we had a silent exchange. We, he, he was sitting about, I don't know, 15 feet from me. And when he was introduced, uh, he saw me. Uh, but he, he we, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, good. Well, tell me, what is your take on how the Biden administration is doing and how do you think they're doing in terms of the domestic policies and also the foreign policy? Well, I think this is a long, complicated discussion, but just touch a few bases. Uh, the legislation they passed at the, at the top of the administration, the reconciliation bill that they passed with 50 votes, which was a pretty huge package, um, I think was a good thing and it kept people, kept people uh, afloat. Yeah. At, at a time where they needed to be, uh, and included a the child tax credit, which um, it's a terrible shame that that's expired, and that that brings us to the elements of Build Back Better. Now they tell you just oh don't even mention Build Back Better because it has such a brand name a bad brand name. But uh, the thing is, the elements of it were real are and were really good. And I have been saying on my podcast since like last October that we should just have put those things out individually on the floor yeah. because you're talking about universal pre-K. You're talking about sub help, helping to subsidize uh, childcare, which every other civilized country does. And like generously in right. Europe, they each child, each child on average in a European country gets $14,000 subsidy for childcare. Um, there's so much in this package, also just negotiating Medicare, being able to negotiate with pharmaceuticals. We pay about two to three times as much as every other country, European countries do for the same pharmaceuticals. These are pharmaceuticals that we, that we develop, right? Uh, <laughs> many of them. And so there were so many elements of this. And instead the press, which tends to do horse race and, inside baseball would just be going like, is it, you know, first it was 3 trillion. Now it's, is it 1.5? Is it 1.75? What's mansion doing? What's cinema doing? And, you know, I'm not there. I don't want to be critical of anybody, but, uh, I, I don't understand how we didn't take these, get these elements of them out there so people could see what they were, put them on the floor, let the Republicans vote them down and let Americans go like, my God, these things make absolute perfect sense. You know, Americans, Republicans want to raise taxes on rich people. Right. Maybe as much as Democrats do. If you're talking about their base, their base resents the elites. And <laughs> they, they are now a large, large majority of people are for tax increases on very upper income people. And of course, we... And the gaps in wealth and income in this country are a source of tremendous resentment that's felt on by everybody, but especially by the, the Trump people. Uh, so, I, 
but don't get me started. No, but no, no. That said, <laughs> uh, that said, on I think on Ukraine, I think uh, Biden has been masterful. I think what he did early on, he made some decisions early on that were key. Uh, one of the things he did was release our intelligence, uh, and which was that the Russians really were going to invade. And when even Zelensky thought they weren't going to invade. But we, by doing this, we were taking a risk because they could have been fooling us. But we were actually preparing uh, for sanctions, which take a while to prepare. Yeah. And so we were able to trigger those. They weren't strong enough at the beginning, but you need you need your allies to do it. And, and, and they're ramping up. And uh, it was very interesting. You know, yesterday was victory day for uh, on World War II for the Russians. Uh, and there was a lot of conjecture about what Putin's speech was going to be. Was it going to escalate? And he very no- notably said no. He didn't say it, yeah. Yeah, he basically said he doesn't want the Russian people to suffer. So I think he's feeling, I think he's, you know, if we win the, here's a good way for us to win the midterms. Someone kills, and it won't be us, but someone kills Putin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that would be a good October surprise. No. (laughs) I don't want Putin mad at me, but <laughs> right, right. I don't want him mad at me either. Yeah. Well, Alan, do you think um, there is any chance of getting any legislation, significant legislation, passed before the midterms? To your point about breaking up Build Back Better to one or two or three things specifically, I actually think that what the discussions are that they've been having with Mansion suggests to me that he is for some kind of tax hike and I'm for that. Again, I'm for that. And I think the American people are for that. I think that we can do that in reconciliation. I hope, and I hope we can do something on climate. Great. Well, that's very hopeful. I want to say, tell people that if you want even more hope this Saturday night, May 14th, the I'm in the hope business. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm in the laughs business. (laughs) It's a funny show. How has it been traveling and performing? Do you like it? I love it. I, lo- yeah. I love the, the experience. As you know, the, yeah. the best part is the part where you're actually on stage performing. Right. And there's so much to that that's great. And part of it is just, just the laughs. I mean, right. right? Yeah, absolutely. The reinforcement of your ideas. So there's that. And then there's just, um, that, that's mainly what, what I love is, you know, I don't love the travel. Right. <laughs> and right. I, you know, I'm working up a routine about uh, hotel, counterintuitive hotels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> where, where you go to the room and they have the music on and you don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> and the phone light is blinking and you don't know how to turn that off and you call down. And they go, counterintuitive? How's your counterintuitive <laughs> stay, Mr. Franken? Yeah, I got a, I got my phone's blinking. <laughs> and uh, I just, I don't know how to get rid of the message. Well, yeah, everybody has that problem, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, you only have one message, and that's from our manager saying, we hope you have a great counterintuitive stay. <laughs> <laughs> I can turn that off for you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> 
So That's the awesome. travel is not is not my favorite. Part. Right, right. But being on stage, just delivering, you know, having your ideas validated, having the sense of humor just uh, come through again. It must be on a certain level having had to be dead serious because one of the things, the biggest takeaway of your book, Al Franken, Giant of the Senate, was going from making that transition from comedian to serious candidate. The first thing you had to do was never mention the fact that you were on Saturday Night Live again. Don't ever mention Comedy Central. Don't ever mention Saturday Night Live. Don't ever mention the fact that you were a comedian. Don't try to be funny on the stump. And that's a big transition. Yeah, my Was team. That difficult? Yeah, my team put everything through this machine called the Dehumorizer. <laughs> and then uh, when I got to the Senate, that team said, "Don't be funny. Do not be funny." And I went, "Okay, I'll put my head down." To but I didn't totally internalize it. So uh, right. <laughs> Right. So getting back out there and, and going after laughs and just trying to be funny, liberating, using the imagination. It's again. also, it's an art form. I mean, yeah. I admire stand up. Yeah. And there's a lot of great ones out there. And I'm, I used to do it with, you know, you remember Tom Davis, of course. Yeah. And Tom and I used to do an act, but it was very not a single guy going out there and doing stand up. We used to right. do very Bob and Ray kind of stuff. And I know right. you know Bob and Ray. Uh, so, uh, this is new, you know, I, I started working a little over a year ago. I started going down to the comedy cellar and I had some material, I had material yeah. and, uh, but I worked it up and it's really fun to do. It's just really good. And it's also kind of like fun to write and it's fun to think about, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, uh, fun to comment on, you know, so I got, I'm working on my abortion hunk. Okay, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I look forward to hearing it on Saturday okay. night, Al. Okay. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, Great thanks. to see you. Congratulations to all your success, and we really, really appreciate all the well, work you've been well, doing. Well, come backstage uh, before or after or both. At the yeah, Wilbur, I'd love to. Please. Okay. I bring my wife. I, are you going to be signing any books or anything after the show? Or I don't. I don't think so. We didn't. Okay. I was stupid. We didn't get that together. <laughs> right. No worries. Well, I have five books of yours I can bring. You can sign okay, them. We'll you're gonna, those people away. bring those books. You can bring the books. I'll sign. I have to tell you this. You'll love this. And then we'll leave. I did a show. You know, I went to the Kennedy School a few years ago. And um, I started, I got on the board there, the Alumni Association Board. And we, I helped with some events over at the Harvard Club. And we had these, you know, every year we would have a, a fun event there. And we would auction off things. So I had your book, Al Franken, Giant of the Senate. We were auctioning it off with your signature because I bought it uh, here at the Harvard Bookstore. You had signed it. And then we had Ban Ki-moon, the, the head of the UN in the audience as well. And he signed your book. So we have an Al Franken, Giant of the Senate <laughs> book with your signature and Ban Ki-moon the Secretary General of the UN, the only book probably in in circulation that some lucky person got with a two dollar raffle. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I got to track down Banky Moon and get some him <laughs> to sign a few more of those <laughs> to dilute the value of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to see you, Al. AlFranken.com for the podcast. AlFranken.com for tickets for Saturday show. Thank you so much for your great service. I'll look forward to seeing you Saturday night. I'll see you Saturday.
All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. This has been a Humor for Humanity production. I am the founder of Humor for Humanity, a social enterprise that raises spirits, funds, and awareness for nonprofits, charities, and social causes. You can find out how we can help you or your organization raise spirits, funds, and awareness for you and yours. Our mission is your mission. Humor for Humanity at JimmyTingle.com. Thank you.